Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? to another thrill-packed episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies is 1983 Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, do you smell something burning? I was going to ask you that myself. I, I, I get the distinct smell of burning chemicals uh, flying through the air here. Yeah, yeah. We actually begin these minutes with Clark and Jimmy's bus to Smallville pulling up to a large chemical plant fire, and the five minutes end with a huge explosion, so it's exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Finally, mm-hmm. some action sequences here. Yes, and not slapstick action, so. Right. Uh, uh, the sheriff's deputy that stops the bus is a familiar face. Yes. Uh, and who is this uh, guy, Rob? This is character actor Shane Rimmer playing the policeman uh, who flags down the bus as it, as it approaches. Uh, you've seen him in Superman 2, of course. He is one of the NASA uh, control guys. He's the one that uh, Cliff Clavin is talking to with the whole, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's a curl? How do I know? I was back in high school then. So he, that's Shane Rimmer. He was also in the first Superman movie in the extended version. Uh, those scenes are only available in the, the three-hour cut, but he's in that movie. He was also in movies like uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, one of my favorites, mm-hmm. Gandhi, Reds, and Batman Begins. So he's yep. got to be one of the few actors that has appeared in both a Superman and Batman movie. He passed away just uh, in 2019, and like in his 80s, he had like hundreds of credits. So it's like one of the great sort of character actor careers in, in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those. I mean, when Batman Begins, he's the guy working at the water plant. Right. Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul in that movie is, you know, (laughs) blowing up the whole, you know, the water system as Batman's riding on the E train, you know. And it's like as soon as he shows up, like, hey, it's that guy from the Superman movie. So, yeah. I wonder, I remembered, I, you know, of course I saw Batman Begins in the theater and I remember noticing him Mm -hmm. at that time and I recognized him from Superman too. And I, you know, I don't know, but I, I we know that Christopher Nolan had some is a, was a fan of Superman. He had you know initially worked on some ideas for Man of Steel at least, and I almost wonder like did they cast Shane Rimmer as like a good luck charm kind of thing to get a guy from the Superman movie and put him in here, or was it just he came in and he was right for the role? But it, I mean, to me, either way, it's a nice thing to see this this actor appear in both. Both these characters' movies. It's really cool. Yeah, you know, that is cool. And and Batman Begins itself does have more of a Superman the movie vibe than even Mm -hmm. the rest of uh, Nolan's. Nolan kind of went off into his own thing, but it definitely has that verisimilitude kind of feel to it, especially compared to the how outrageous the Batman films had gotten under Schumacher, you know. Seriously. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, he may have. He may have been, been his lucky charm. And and speaking of Rimmer, he's talking to the bus driver. I couldn't find any info on the bus driver. Did you? No, I couldn't either. He's not listed on IMDb. Even the, He kind of gets a line. Like, he doesn't really – like, he kind of – 
shakes his head and reacts to the the sheriff telling him what to do, but he doesn't actually, if he's like, say anything. So no, I couldn't figure out who the uh, bus driver was. He seems to be uncredited. Yeah, he's got that kind of uh, Alan Hill Jr. skipper vibe about him, but it's obviously not him, you know. But, but uh, hey, little buddy, what am I supposed to do with this bus? You know, no, no uh, it's not him, but he gets kind of got that look about him. I just it, it surprised me. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, wait, where's where's the bus driver in this list of people? You know, uh, but uh, but anyway, him and uh, the the policeman or the sheriff's deputy, whatever, he's a law officer, uh, and the bus driver they handle the exposition and tell us that a plant. The plant that's on fire is a chemical plant, as we said. And, of course, that means this is a very serious situation. But the deputy does not stop Clark and Jimmy from leaving the bus. No, no. Well, they're they're reporters. They can do whatever they want. I guess, but they didn't even flash a press badge. No, (laughs) they just get off. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And, And then Jimmy pulls Clark down near a parked police car. And for the first time, I think I've ever noticed he calls, I don't think I ever noticed it before, he calls him Clark and not Mr. Kent. And that just, you know, in like seven or eight years, Jack Larson never called George Reeves Clark. He always called him Mr. Kent. So I don't (laughs) think I even noticed that. Yeah, I just noticed that this time. I think this is the first time I've ever noticed that before. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, they're getting to, well, I mean, they've been on the bus together for like, what, 19 hours or something? So they've probably gotten to know each other a little better. Right. Now Clark knows which Anne of Jimmy's puts the stuffing on the inside and which one puts it on the outside. <laughs> so they've connected, really, truly. So uh, <laughs> Jimmy is telling Clark he's going to sneak into the plant fire and get some photos. But he's saying it while they are crouched down right in front of a cop who is just standing there looking right at them. <laughs> Am I the only one that has a problem with this? The Smallville police force is not, you know, maybe the crack of staff in the world or something. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I've heard that, like, we'll get to the firefighters here later. I've heard that the fire department was like, you know, actually like the Calgary Fire Department or, you know, a branch of it or something. So maybe some of these police were like real policemen. And this guy just wasn't used to being in a on film and didn't know he wasn't supposed to stare at Christopher Reeve when he was crouched down by the police car. But the guy, like, looks at them the whole time. Yep, yep. And then when Jimmy, you know, runs... A fire truck drives by and goes in through the gate because, of course, they're going to let the fire truck in. Jimmy runs alongside the fire truck, but he runs right past the guy who follows him with his eyes. And he turns his head and follows Jimmy and just watches him <laughs> enter the dangerous chemical plant mm-hmm, fire mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> I mean, that you really can't blame this this actor slash stuntman slash cop. That's Richard Lester's fault. I hate to pick on Richard Lester, but like. That's up to him to say, cut, cut, cut. Wait a minute. Don't look at Mark McClure when he's talking. Just, you know, look like you're distracted. Like, he should have noticed that. It, it is very conspicuous once you pointed out that, yeah, the cop is literally standing there staring at these two men hiding behind a cop car talking about what they're about to do. And then Jimmy does it, and he doesn't even – I mean, at least the gendarme in, 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 at the Eiffel Tower is like, Mademoiselle, Mademoiselle, as Lois is running past him. He you know? gives it a shot at least, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we thought that guy was ineffectual, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. This is Lester or the editors or something. They're like, uh, you know, somebody should have said, "Oh, that guy's staring at him. He shouldn't be doing that." Because I can't understand why, in character, he would. You know, yeah. it just it, it and not to not it just it's one of those things that you know when you do a podcast, you notice these things, and I'm like, 
That guy's staring right at him the whole time while they're sitting here. Jimmy's yep. giving Clark this plot. So uh, then we get our second super change in this movie, which is cool. When Clark dunks, ducks into a police car and emerges as Superman on the other side. So what do you think of this change, Rob? I, I liked it. It was cute. I, the other thing I noticed about it was uh, when it's it's all one shot and we see Christopher Reeve and it's clearly Christopher Reeve because you can see his face mm-hmm. as he uh, ducks into the back of the car. He shuts the door. We see some kind of rumbling in the back seat, and then he comes out the other side fully dressed as Superman. And it doesn't really look like he had enough time to do that. And but if but if there's a cut here, I can't figure out where the cut is because it's all one shot and you don't see any sort of weird uh, changing of like film coloring or any sort of stitching together. So it it looks like it's a visual trick, but I I honestly can't figure out how they did it because he comes out of the other side of the car flawlessly looking is looking like Superman. And so maybe he, I mean clearly. The suit he had was tear away. Yeah. Uh, that it was probably split down the back or split up the front and he could just go, you know, with Velcro, rip, and, and he's got the Superman suit underneath. But it's, I don't know, like he, it's fast. It's faster than I would have expected even Christopher Reed to be able to do it. And I stared at the scene a couple of times thinking, is there a cut here that I'm missing? But I, I can't see one. If they, yeah, with his hair, I- the way that they do uh, Clark's hair versus Superman's hair, I almost think they'd had to have like him go to the you know his the stylist and fix his hair, yeah, uh, the hairdresser or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, it, it it could be unless there was somebody in there with him or something, you know. But it 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 uh, they do you can kind of see a police officer sitting in the front, and then of course the police officer does a double take once you know it closes in on him and. He like looks kind of behind him. What, what, what was that? You know, that yeah. type of thing. Um, so I don't know how they did that, but it is really well done and it's cool. And it's one of those comic booky things that Superman would do from time to time. You'd see in the comics where he'd, you know, change at super speed right behind somebody or, you know, go through one thing as, as Clark and come out as Superman. He's basically using the cop car as a phone booth. So, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice, it's a nice little, nice little Superman reveal. Yeah, and I gotta say, this fire is really convincing. I mean, it it looks like a chemical plant on fire. I mean, it looks like an industrial fire. Uh, there's lots of smoke, flames everywhere. There's lots of firefighters. I think they really did a great job of selling. You know that this is a this is a huge big deal that that all the local fire departments are responding to. And again, like we said in the first movie, this continues that tradition of showing that. Yeah, you're going to need Superman to save the day here, but the, the, the everyday heroes are doing their part. You know, they're, they're not inept. They're not buffoons. Um, you know, well, we kind of had some buffoons in the, in the first scene when the cops or the guards were shooting out in the traffic. Uh, but, but now these firefighters are, you know, they seem very competent and, uh, it's, uh, you know, that's nice to see, you know, that, uh, they're not just like, oh, well, these guys are, they need Superman to come save the day, even though they do, but they're, they're still doing, they're still doing their best. You know? Yeah. They're not the Gotham PD that can't do anything without Batman. They can actually accomplish this. And you're right. Yeah. It does look good. It's, it's clearly a real fire in a real building. It's not miniatures. Uh, there's one scene of two firemen, right. As they're kind of betting, they're about to go into a door and then this big burst of a ball of fire comes flying out and they both kind of tuck off to the side. And yeah, it looks, it looks solid. Yeah, and that when that guy comes out on fire, I, th- those things that I know how they do that with the suit and all that stuff, but it, it's still just it's insane looking every time they show somebody out on fire like that in a movie. I just can't get over somebody actually 
let them light them on fire. You know, that's just... <laughs> I learned this on the Thing commentary track with Kurt Russell and uh, John Carpenter, and I never knew this until I heard it on the commentary, where when, when, when somebody gets engulfed in flames like that in a movie, the real risk is not being on fire. That's because you're they put, like, some sort of chemical on you that burns but doesn't, like, heat up. Yeah. So it just it's like a Duraflame log on you. And so you're really not in any fear. But the, the, the problem is if you breathe in during it, that's the problem because the mm. flames are around you and you will breathe basically fire into your lungs. Oh. That's that's the danger. And so that's the, you know, that's what the problem is. And I never knew that until I heard that commentary because there's a scene in that movie where the thing gets engulfed in flames and the stunt man is completely encased in fire and he runs out into the snow. But they talk about that, that it's, it's not the, it's not, it's not your, your clothes being on fire. It's you have to have the presence of mind. If you don't have like an air tank or something to not breathe for the couple of seconds that you're on fire, because if you suck it in, you're basically dead immediately. Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the, well, yeah, I probably saw this film first and then probably like a year or so later saw the thing for the first time at a way too young age or like 10 or something. <laughs> so, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep, that, yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's woo. Yeah. Oof. Uh, uh, speaking of special effects, uh, remember in the first film, Rob, when after Superman's big debut of saving Lois and air force one, it's big night, you know, it's big, it's big premiere, all the newspapers in Metropolis had huge headlines about him. The planet had caped wonder stunned city, of course. But another paper read, look, Ma, no wires. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, five years later, we found the wires. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, when Superman lands on the fire scene, you can clearly see the wires dropping Christopher Reeve into the scene. It's very apparent. I don't know if it was... Before we had Blu-rays and HD and, you know, but I don't know if you noticed it, Rob, but it's, it, they're there. You can see them. It's, uh, it's kind of like, oh man, somebody go in and take that out of the, you know, <laughs> clean that out of the DVD and the Blu-ray and the, the version that's on HBO Max. Come on, come on. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't notice that when they were doing the film. I mean, I think a lot of that is all that it's how the light is refracted by the camera and the camera isn't supposed to catch those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I don't see it that clearly on the the version I'm looking at. I'm looking at it uh, on, I I have this movie. I have this movie in two formats. I have it on, I bought it on iTunes and I have it as a, as a Blu-ray, but I'm looking at the iTunes version and they're actually a little hard to see. You can see them, but I didn't notice it until I watched the scene a couple of times and then you see it briefly, but it doesn't look, from the version I'm seeing, it doesn't look that bad. Okay, well, here in a minute it'll look worse. But it, I, okay. I did notice, I did notice it at first. But, uh, but yeah, it's you know they. I, I, I think, I think we're. I, I think this kind of fits in, and I don't mean to keep bagging on this, but I do kind of feel like maybe part of that was yeah before they tried to get all that out in shot. You know, they basically had tried to make it where it didn't show up at all in the shots in the previous films. And I don't know if it's hey, we've done this for two other films now it's the same it's the same effects guys even if lester you know donner and lester you know was a switch up um it's the same effects guys doing it uh you know i don't know if they you know they're just kind of like you know oh it's another day at the office and Mm. and i I don't want to say they're like getting complacent but maybe they're just not as diligent about it as they were Mm. or something but you know but it's still a nice landing i mean so you know uh and I, i love that superman asked the fire chief you know, how he can help. And, 
you know, you know, he's like, get this man, get this man a helmet. And he's like, oh, wait, it's you. You know, it's so. <laughs> I love that line. I think that's very funny. Get this man a helmet. Oh, it's you. Forget the helmet. That's great. Yeah. I, that's a good, that's a good joke. Yeah, I, I love it. Just shows how comfortable people are with Superman in, in this world. You know, it's like, yeah, he's been around for several years now. Even though this is not Metropolis, you know, Superman's on the news every night, I'm sure. And, you know, these people are used to, oh, there's something bad going on. Superman's going to show up. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I love that. I love that little bit. And, of course, you know, I prefer the version where people aren't scared of him and they're not, like, going to, you know, throw things at him and all that type <laughs> of stuff. You know? but, I also like it when Superman lands, he doesn't crack the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to do a three point landing and <laughs> but yeah, and I mean just like oh, you know, or you know, <laughs> oh god. But anyway. Uh the chief here is played by Al Matthews, best known for playing Sergeant Apone in Aliens. I was and so I- excited when I learned that. I didn't yeah. know who it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and he was also a master sergeant in Tomorrow Never Dies, so another James Bond movie. So yeah, yeah. he was also in The Fifth Element. So he's had he had a, a bunch of credits I didn't know about. But man, I had no idea that this was the same guy as Sergeant Apone. So I was so excited because I just he's so good in that movie. Uh, it was I was just so thrilled. That's so cool. Yeah, that that, that that was really cool. And of course, he gives uh, he gives explains how to Superman how everything in that plant is either explosive or inflammable or worse. And just then, another explosion traps a group of people on an elevated walkway. And uh, you know, Superman has a really nice takeoff here, but right here, you can really see the wires. Unfortunately, I <laughs> you can't, can't on my version anyway. So, uh, but uh, you know, I won't keep beating that drum, but. Uh, uh, so the one firefighter asks if Superman is going to fly them down one at a time. And I don't know, I, I guess he probably could, but you know, I don't know about you, Rob, but it always kind of, you know, when they, when they show these characters like flying normal humans at super speed or the flash running with them, I have to think, how are you not like, how can you survive that? You know? Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, how are you not throwing up or, you know, like, you know, uh, whatever kind of, injury you could possibly have from getting that. a so, piece of degree and debris in your eye from the the wind velocity that's flying at you yeah exactly so again you know i know you mentioned on a recent treasury cast you like it when superman is smart and like thinks about how to use yeah. his powers yeah. so 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 we get some of that here because superman flies to the roof and he picks up a silo or a smokestack and he lays one end on the roof and angles the other end to the ground below and he then has the worker slide down the stack to safety. And and I don't know about you, but I, I like how they it's just real brief, but when he lands on the roof, he like he looks at the stack, then he looks up and down like at the ground, like he's trying to figure out the distance. Like, is this thing gonna like if I put this over on its end, is it gonna be long enough to reach the bottom? And then he picks it up and it's done really well because it looks like this thing probably weighs, you know, several tons, but Superman Christopher Reeve just picks it straight up out of the out of the roof and yeah it's just one of those it's probably like a simple effect that like they had wires on the other end of it or something but man it really works well <laughs> yeah i know i i just watched it over as you're talking i didn't notice that before but yeah he does he sizes it up he looks at the ground then looks at the 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 tower and then grabs it i like yeah i like that a lot that he's he's sticking it through he's not just ripping things down that's that's cool that's a great little moment i wonder if that was reeve or that was in the script that's a that's a that's a wonderful little detail 
Yeah, I, I don't know who it was, but he pulled it off. It was his idea or not. He really sold it. So, <laughs> And I know this is a fire and all, but, man, that looks like fun going down that giant slide. That just it looks does. like a blast. It does. <laughs> it's a good thing that mime from uh, the previous segment wasn't here. He'd be Napoleon oh, it, oh, down the God. water slide, you know, because yeah. of Bill and Ted. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, as soon as they are clear of the building, that building explodes. So thank you, Superman. That's great. Uh, meanwhile, Jimmy sneaks onto a fire truck and climbs the extended ladder. Now, I don't know why they would have the ladder extended without anything nearby. Seems kind of dangerous, but yeah, it serves a purpose for the story here in a minute. So, you know, uh, I, I, I think the shots of Mark McClure, like up on the ladder, like Lester's like, or the cinematographer, I guess is shooting through the flames, and the smoke, it's, it's, it's really convincing. I mean, it looks like some kind of gritty, like, documentary or something. There yeah, it's all wavy from the heat and stuff. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, it looks really well. I mean, they really do sell the fact this this thing's on. I mean, there's fire everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's again, it's just really well done. So, Superman trying to evacuate everyone runs into a chemist, a guy named Dr. McLean in the credits, who refuses to leave his post. He's monitoring concentrated beltric acid. He warns the Man of Steel, if it heats up over 180 degrees, it will turn volatile, and the resulting cloud could eat through steel, concrete, or anything. Uh, unfortunately, I looked up Beltric Acid, and they made it up for this movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you look up Beltric Acid on Google, and it's all about Superman 3. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's their contribution to science. Thank you, Superman 3. That's right. I, I bought it. You know, I just thought, I thought it was a thing. So. Sounds uh, plausible. Uh, Dr. McLean here is played by actor, singer, voiceover artist Barry Denon, best known for playing Pontius Pilate in Jesus Christ Superstar. So I imagine that's a pretty big role. I oh, think man, I'm... his credits. Wow. <laughs> He's got credits, doesn't he? <laughs> I, I got to go, go through some of these. He was also in Fiddler on the Roof. Yep. He was a voice in the Dark Crystal. He did a lot of voiceover work. He does, was a voice in the Dark Crystal. He was a voice in the Justice League Throne of Atlantis animated movie from a couple of years ago. Yep. He was the voice of the Mandarin in the Lego Marvel Superheroes video, the voice of the Mole Man in the Fantastic Four video game. So, I mean, he was in a Superman movie and played two different Marvel villains. That is some geek cred. He was also in Trading Places, Ragtime, and The Shining. He is the other guy at the Overlook who takes Jack Nicholson, Jack Torrance, on the tour of the Overlook. He, I don't even think, I think he gets one line of dialogue. He comes in, the other guy, I'm blanking on his name at the moment, uh, yeah. but he's the one who does all these, tells Jack about, you know, there was an axe murder and yada, yada, yada. And then he says, before I turn you over to Bill, and Barry Denon plays Bill. And there is, there's this funny shot, and I don't want to get too far off, the sh- on, off this movie, onto The Shining, but there's a funny shot of Barry Denon just looking at Jack Torrance. And try as I might, I've seen The Shining hundreds of times at this point. I can never quite figure out what Stanley Kubrick's trying to convey with that shot, uh, whether it's apprehension or whatever it is, Barry Denon nails it. Because there's just this weird, like, what is this look he's giving Jack Torrance? 
So mm-hmm. I was, I was, I mean, knowing Stanley Kubrick, he probably did do that shot 75 times, even though oh, he doesn't yeah. have any line of dialogue. But I mean, man, what a, what a career this guy, this guy has hundreds of credits. What an amazing career. I mean, he probably wasn't nearly as, he was probably working with Kubrick. He, if he was anything like Shelley Duvall, he was probably more tore up about playing that character than Pontius Pilate, you know? Probably, uh, man. Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> hard work working for Stanley Kubrick. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, he passed away in 2017, but, uh, what I, I'm I'm more than more than in, in the other two Superman movies, I'm finding a lot of actors in this film that I didn't recognize from other films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh wow, that's that's a pwn from Aliens, and oh wow, the Jingle Woman is the voice of Mother in Alien, and oh wow, Barry Zeno's in The Shining. Like this is a this, this movie's a real nexus of character actor talent. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're and, and I mean, maybe part of it's where they're filming in in, in uh, Canada right now, and maybe they're getting a little more talent. That's it's not so much the you know where they're they're not all at Pinewood, you know, filming. But of course, they filmed parts in New York and stuff of the first movie and stuff. I don't know, but yeah, that's a good point. I I didn't really know that either till we started doing the uh, you know started doing this. So yeah, it's we're on a journey of of, of wonderful character actors. <laughs> Which is always it's great. Fun. I love it. I, I, I find that so entertaining when someone who I've never really noticed uh, in other movies and then you see, look at their credits and you're like, oh, my Lord, this, this guy's been in everything. And I just love, again, the guy that a guy that has worked with Superman also played the Mandarin and the Mole Man. That's just yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of character actors, uh, Mark McClure, who's been in a lot of great things. Uh, Jimmy's out is spotted by the firefighters. Uh on that ladder, uh, but he tells him he's just going to get a few more shots. Unfortunately, another explosion sends a girder crashing into the ladder, and Jimmy drops to the ground, surrounded by flames, apparently with some kind of injured leg. So a little more on that in a minute, but that's uh, some harrowing action for Jimmy. He survived that dam, uh, you know, the Hoover Dam going bye-bye in the first Superman movie, but he dropped this time. So, uh, of course, he's still alive, but, uh, you know, he, he, he finally did make good on that fall that he was he was trying to have several years ago so uh thank goodness Zack snyder didn't direct this though or i'd be worried uh <laughs> you could say that about any movie pretty much uh, that's true uh, <laughs> in my opinion but but that's about jimmy in particular you know? we gotta go back to the accords we gotta go back to the accords let's go back oh, to- sorry sorry uh, <laughs> in, in the lab another explosion occurs behind the acid canisters and flames begin to spread closer and closer Dr. McLean orders Superman to get the firefighters and their hoses back there. Uh, so I don't know, Rob, what do you think? Uh, super breath, maybe right here with that. <laughs> He's got that ability. We've seen it in the other movies. I do like the shot of Superman just walking right through the flame. That looks really boss. I mean, we know he can handle it, so it's not like it's a shock, but it still looks pretty cool that he just can stride through this flame and not, not worry about it. But yeah, just use your super breath and put the fire out. Superman, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. You know, we haven't seen a lot of I mean, maybe he's got to have. Well, I don't want to ruin the next bit, but, uh, you know, we know I think, you know, what happens. But I I think they're they're going for a more spectacular finish to this. So but uh, but, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that kind of, you know, I don't know about you, but part of the fun of reading a Superman book or watching a Superman media you know, version is trying to, well, what power is he going to use now? Like what power would I use if I was Superman, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So, but, but we'll leave it, you know, it, we get a, we get a fun usage of it here in a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, the, the shots of him walking through the flames are really well done. I mean, yep. it, it, 
kind of reminds me of the the gambit that he walked through in the cutscenes in uh, Luthor's lair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know exactly. I don't know if they had like a, a separate. Uh, you know, like a layer of film that had flames and some, you know, they probably did have a few that were like, uh, you know, like uh, some kind of composite shot uh, where the flames were, you know, Reeve wasn't there with that, with that many flames. Right. But, but it's really well done. You can't tell it doesn't look, I mean, it looks just like he's walking through all those flames. So uh, he hears Jimmy and uh, he, uh, he finds him, uh, you know, and picks him up and flies him to the paramedics. And uh, with his x-ray vision, he determines that Jimmy has a clean break right across the fibula, which I, I like that Superman's able to just, you know, diagnose mm-hmm. <laughs> with his x-ray vision. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Superman. <laughs> I probably nowadays, somebody probably sue him for, uh, you know, false diagnosis or something <laughs> like that. Or some false practice or something, practicing without a license or something. Um uh, so our segment ends with Superman warning the chief about the acid in the East Wing. So that's where we end. And I guess we kind of ended right before the, the, no spoiler warning, big explosion, but, uh, but sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> so what did you think of these minutes overall, Rob? Well, it's fun. It's a good action sequence. It's, it's cool to see Superman doing Superman, Superman y stuff. Uh, I did want to ask you a question. Does, does Christopher Reeve or, or at the very least Superman look angry in this segment? Like, just looks like he's just mad. Like, when he's talking to Dr. McLean, and Dr. McLean is explaining about the Beltric acid, like, he just looks, like, his brow is really furrowed. Like, he just looks really angry. And then when he is talking to the fire chief at the very end of this of these five minutes, his teeth are gritted. And I know this is a panicked situation. But, like, Superman just looks like he's in a bad mood or something. I don't know what that is. Did you notice that, or is that just me? I always got that he's just like, this is a pretty intense situation that okay. could go sideways at any second. That's kind of what I got. I think that's what, uh, I, that's kind of way I've always read it. Um, you know, that he really, you know, he's, he's kind of in a situation where this is, um, you know, it's kind of like that whole deal with, uh, like Superman says on, um, uh, the, the last episode of justice league unlimited about the world of cardboard he lives in, you know, he's, you know, there's all, I mean, he'd be fine if this place goes, blows up, uh, he'll just be standing there, but there's all these people here and all these people nearby. And, you know, he's like, he's trying to figure out, okay, how do I tackle this? There's all this going on all at once. I got to get the people out. I've got to, you know, I've got to figure out how to, now I've got to figure out how to cool this acid down and, and okay, now Jimmy's hurt. So now I got to take care of him. So I, I just, you know, I, I just always got the the feeling he's in the moment, you know, so he's, okay, fair enough. he's super intense. I mean, yeah, I mean, he does, he looks very intense for uh, uh, Christopher Reeve, but I, I guess he's really just trying to sell it. And the, the Ken Thorne music actually, actually does, you know, really works well with this scene. I mean, a lot of it's recycled John Williams, of course, that's what he was hired to do was to reorchestrate and, you know, uh, you know, basically take the John Williams score, edit it together and add new bits when he needed to, but basically reuse everything John Williams did in the first film. And I, I think it, it, it really creates this kind of like tense feeling, uh, the polar opposite of the, uh, of the, uh, of the Lack opening. Of, yeah, lackadaisical opening there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, but without it being like overbearingly grim and just, Oh my God, this is just so dour. I can't stand it. It's, it's action movie, you know, yeah, action it's a movie. Solid style. action sequence, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Jimmy, though, I, I really do think they missed a bet by when Jimmy crawls up on the, the fire ladder 
he doesn't start spelling out Pulitzer Prize? <laughs> because, I mean, they've just turned him into Lois. I mean, he's now Lois, where he's getting into some crazy scrape to get a photo uh, or a story, and Superman's got to bail him out of it. So they're just like, well, okay, Lois has exited the movie, so we'll just make Jimmy the Lois of the movie, where he's getting himself into trouble he shouldn't be getting into. That's a good point. They basically took, I mean, we're going to have Lana as the romantic component right, of Lois. Right, exactly. And now Jimmy's the, the daring reporter aspect of Lois. The, the Capital somewhat. P, little L, little I, little T, little Z, little E, little R. You know, I mean, it's the same thing. I love it. I never thought of that before. I love it. Surprise! <laughs> okay, then you fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do like though. Despite the fact that Superman's really insistent, he does. He also he also says like he's like medic, please. You know he he's he's still using the you know his proper. You know he he might look intense, but he's still he's still using those manners. Ma Kent taught him, so that's that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so I think that'll wrap it up for these minutes. Be sure to check out the other fine shows on our network at fireandwaterpodcast.com, including several Rob and I host. Uh, we'd love to read your comments on Superman 3 over at fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can leave us a review in Apple Podcasts if you're so inclined. Uh, special thanks to all the patrons of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. If you would like to support the network financially, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. There you can find many ways you can help keep the network going, including support levels that get you a special shout-out on the show of your choice, like Superman's Pal, Henry Bernstein, who supports Superman 3 Movie Minute. So Yay. thank you. Yay, yeah. Join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman 3 Movie Minute as we continue our coverage of Superman 3. Bye. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.